Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome. We have a great show today. It's just Patty Wyatt for today. Lisa Jernigan is out and about and hopefully will be with us next week. But we want to welcome you today because we're going to load you up with all kinds of tips regarding especially how do we get our kids to own their faith and uh, what happens when they don't. And we're going to start out this morning with the latter. There is a growing trend in America over the last decade. Young adults are walking away from their faith. So the question is, why do we think young adults are leaving the church? What is the it that they are walking away from? And the it usually is not their faith, but it's the idea, um, an idea or an experience. It's not necessarily um, Jesus that they're walking away from. If you ask a young adult why they are not showing up at church, this is what you most likely will hear. And you'll also hear adults saying this as well. But first of all, it's not very interesting. It's hard for me to be engaged. I sit there and I'm bored at church. Or I have sports. There's all this competition now on Sundays where that's when in the morning I have to get, you know, to soccer or I have to get to whatever athletic thing that's going on in the world. There's also a comment comment that you'll hear. It's watered down and fake. So basically, they feel like they're being talked down to rather than truly engaging them and getting deep into to scripture. And we will be talking about that a little later on today as we come up with um, how do we get kids to go deep and to truly get into scripture. But you'll hear people are bigots. They're hypocritical. Uh, it's so big that I can't find community. I go to church and I just get lost in the crowd. No one is investing in me. I didn't feel welcomed. No one meets me where I'm at or it's not relevant to what's going on in my world. Um, and time. I finally have time to relax on a Sunday. The last thing I want to do is get up, get ready, and go to church. Uh, they've also, and, and I mentioned that earlier, they just have had a bad church experience. So they put that experience Basically, they file that away, and that is their version of who Jesus is. I know recently one of my college girls in a life group that I I lead, she stated, I'm very frustrated with God, the suffering in the world, um, with all the sex slavery that is taking place. It's really easy to be angry at God, to want to punish God by ignoring him, and at times it just disproves the existence of, of God. So what do we do with all of this? You hear, you know, these answers, and especially as a parent, um, we want to take all that and we want to argue with every single point. 
Um, so what advice do we have today uh, as we're dealing with young adults? Um, we're going to dive into what Pastor Andy Stanley, he's the senior pastor of North Point Community Church in Georgia. He has a new book out called Irresistible, where he shares an interesting theory about why some Christians are leaving their faith after rooting their beliefs in the Bible, which sounds very counterintuitive that, okay, we're basically we're putting the Bible over Jesus. And when we do that, crazy things can happen. One of his quotes, when people turn their backs on Christianity, they're usually turning their backs on the version of Christianity that they grew up with. And he shares that often as parents, we are simply scared to death. We truly don't know how to respond. We don't listen to our kids. We cut them off. We jump in with our fear and we want to convince them of something rather than listening. Um, often we will freak out. I know I do that. Uh, as much as I tell them, you know, tell my kids, there's nothing you can say that I haven't heard or I, I haven't seen. Feel Always feel free to come to me. This is a safe zone. And yet there have been times where they've mentioned something. Maybe they've come to you like what their friends are doing. And it's easy to go, okay, wait, hold it. That is so foreign to me. I can't believe that your friends are doing this, etc. So advice, what do we have? We need to listen to understand. We need to be ready when they come to us to say, tell me more. Like lean in, be curious. I know when my son at fourth grade, this sounds so silly now, but he came home with Harry Potter. And there were, you know, the people that I surrounded myself with were, you know, everybody was against Harry Potter. Oh, the author's an atheist. And on and on and on. And I decided if my fourth grader is going to come home with this gargantuous book, then I'm going to listen to what he has to say and I'm going to read it with him. And I actually really enjoyed Harry Potter. And uh, I'm so glad that I didn't freak out over that, that I was able to engage, be curious and go along with him. I know right now both of my daughters are talking about The Bachelor and I just got back from Chicago last night and when I was there there was huge billboards with The Bachelor and they're making such a big deal because The Bachelor is a virgin and it's almost like a mockery. And rather than asking my girls, okay, why are you watching this show? It just sounds so trashy to me. I'm just listening. And it's interesting because they're coming up with, yeah, it's crazy how Hollywood is making such a big deal about, you know, being being a virgin at, at his age rather than why can't we normalize that? Why is it, you know, so weird and, and creepy? And just listening to what they have um, to say. Once again, creating that safe zone where the, your kids want to go to you. They want your advice. They want to unpack these things with you. Sometimes your children are feeling things that they don't have words to explain. And it's our job to explore those feelings and support them. So if they're coming to you saying, I'm done with God, I, I don't really want to move forward with this particular faith anymore, then stay in tune with their behaviors and emotions and just start conversations with them. Uh, don't battle it out. Don't try to prove them wrong. Keep asking powerful, powerful questions. This is a delicate time when your child is questioning their beliefs and, and maybe if they're not a child, they're a young adult. 
but um, encourage them to be curious, to go ahead and look into other religions, other faiths, uh, be able to ask them questions and have them mule that those poignant thoughts. Um, without passing judgment or sharing your opinions. And I know that is so hard. I, I struggle with that. When my kids will say something that I don't agree with, I immediately have to turn it into a teachable moment where I have to share my opinions. And if if I could go back and say, if I could change things, I would listen more and stop talking and stop giving my opinions for every single aspect of of life that they're coming to you with or bring it up at a later time when it's not necessarily, it's your opinion, but it's not in that moment where it could potentially lead to a conflicting um, situation. So empower your kids, try not to fight every battle with them, but teach them and get them involved with going down that direction because otherwise we're just shutting them down. There's two things uh, Brene Brown does a really good job in explaining what triggers with shame. When we share our opinion, which perhaps can sound like it's condescending because they don't necessarily have the same opinions we have, then what triggers is who do you think you are? So now we're severing the relationship we have with our kids and you just shut me down. So I feel less than. So help them come to their own conclusions on how um, to think critically, how to solve situations, how to um, how to be able to ask powerful questions, write them down, and and move forward. So help help your kids also. Andy Stanley does a really good job in in this book, Irresistible, on identifying that you're their biggest fan that you will support them, you will love them despite any circumstances that they are f- facing. And they're not alone. Uh, you know, often we'll tell, tell them, you know, Christ will never forsake you. He will always be there. And also, I am there for you. I am going to be there. I am your support system. The biggest thing I, I think my takeaway from his book is the goal is not to expect perfect kids. Parent towards relationship. It's relationship, relationship, relationship. Do this relationship building rather than having your kids doing everything right. And one thing he talks about is he has seen so many well-behaved kids that never come back home. But they were very well-behaved. You want your kids, obviously, to, to, to be adults and be able to leave the home, but you also want them to, to like you, to be able to, to hang out with you, and you want to be able to like them and hang out with them. And one tip that we are going to close here before we go into a commercial break is write down on a card or a sticky note, I'm going to parent with our future relationship in mind, and don't allow theology, um, and and it's weird to say this, but scripture to sever the relationship. We listen, we love, we love, we love. And this battle that's going on in their mind, in their heart, just let them know that deep down, I care about you. I love you. I will always be there um, for you. And, And with that, when we focus on relationship, 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 once again, we will listen. And I know for me, I 
I wish I was better at this and I'm trying to get better at it. If the relationship is the most powerful, most important thing, then listening rather than immediately cutting them off. Cause once again, we're jumping into that because of fear and, uh, we, we want so badly to dictate how they need to think, how they need to feel, how they need to, to move forward. And, um, as Andy Stanley says, I'd rather have, a uh, a child that is not behaving, but's thinking on their own and rather than a well-behaved kid, that's not going to come back home. So with that, write that down and we're going to come right back after this, uh, commercial break. So stay with us. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. You can have the best trainer in the world to sign an exercise program for you. But if you don't do it, it's not worth anything. You can join the most expensive fitness club in town. But if you don't go and exercise, it is worthless. To be a success in any exercise program, you must be consistent. It's the steady, constant exerciser who makes fitness and activity a lifestyle that excels and succeeds. Sometimes our busy schedules seem to prohibit us from exercising every day. So many people only work out one to two days a week and push themselves so hard that their intensity is too high. Even though this type of workout makes them feel good mentally, it is not the best way to exercise. It is better to moderately exercise in some form every day. Consistency is the key to exercise success. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. back we spent the first segment talking about some advice from Andy Stanley on what do we do when our children or our young adults decide to leave the leave their faith and now we're going to jump into how do we get them to own their faith and for many Sunday school as a child is fondly remembered 
with the introduction to the gospel story, helped along with large picture books and easy to digest stories. But as we grow older, we make the move to Bible with fewer pictures and more words and begin to find the gospel even in the Old Testament. And we may have missed key instructions on how to make that transition. And this is what author Kristen Hatton has to say as she shares with us in her new book, The Gospel-Centered Life for Students. It's a series for teens and young adults helping to make the connections clearer. And we're also going to talk about she had her first book in the series, The Gospel-Centered Life in Exodus, for, for students, where she leads readers in finding and meeting Jesus in unexpected places, as well as seeing the pattern of redemption present even in the Old Testament. So with that, I want to say I am so excited, Kristen, to have you on the show today. So how are you? I am great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to visit with you. Well, you know, I I was going through, through your book, and I... Uh, I'm actually in the book, The Exodus, so your your first book. But I'd like to talk about both of them as well. Okay. Well, Exodus is actually the one that came out this year. It's my third book. Okay, third book. So tell us a little bit about all of your books then. On, okay. On basically your goal on what started you into moving forward to writing these series and why did you feel it was so important to basically write a Bible study specifically for teens? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll back up a little bit. Um, we, I live in Oklahoma. We moved here from Texas when my daughter was entering middle school and we were starting a church. And so we, you know, weren't going to have a youth group for her because we were brand new and she was going into a large public school. And so I was really anxious about connecting her with other Christian friends. And so I started a girl's Bible study. Well, lo and behold, that put me on this whole new path that I would have never expected um, of writing. But what I discovered real early on with those girls, and all of the girls were churched, but um, there was very little understanding of what is the gospel. And then at the same time, I would walk into a Christian bookstore and find very little um, curriculum to use for teenagers. So that is what led me to start writing. But my first book was called Get Your Story Straight, and it's a year-long devotional book that is progressive in just the gospel story because I just felt like we need to back it up for these kids because they cannot communicate what the gospel is, and so they sure don't understand how the gospel comes to bear into you know their daily life. Um, so that's kind of just what got me writing, and at that point, I really felt passionate about getting books of the Bible, Bible studies in the hands of teenagers, because so much of it is topical, and not that there's anything wrong with topical studies, but, I mean, the Word of God is where we meet Jesus, and so I wanted to help them um, see the Bible as the bread of life, what they needed. And so um, for years before this Gospel Center series came out, I had been talking to my publisher about, let's let's do this. And um, so Exodus is the third book, and I can back up and tell you about my second book in a little bit. But um, I I really wanted to start with the Old Testament because I feel like that's where all of us, adults and kids included, kind of we don't know what to do with it. We kind of just want to jump over to the New Testament because it's a little bit easier. So I wanted to deconstruct that mindset and show us where we can see Jesus even in the Old Testament. Hmm. And and I like what you share on uh, with going into the Old Testament 
is that you, you, you didn't expect God to show up in some of these, these places. So, so kind of expand a little bit on that. Right. I think so often we approach the Bible as like a guide for how to live, an instruction manual, or we flip through it looking for a verse that applies to what we're going through. But the Bible is the story of Jesus, and it's all connected from Genesis to Revelation. And so we have to first approach the Bible looking for Jesus before we can apply it to ourselves. And so in no other book do I feel like there's um, more you know, of a story of redemption than Exodus. I mean, it's the story of the Israelites, but it's our story. And I think when we read it, it's easy to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe those Israelites, they're grumbling at God again. But I mean, that is just what we do. I mean, God can be gracious to us. And then the next minute we're, you know, we doubt him and we lack trust. And so the more um, we see ourselves in it, we start to see really who God is. But the point of it is, I mean, all throughout Exodus, um, we see pointers to Jesus where he shows up in the wilderness and he, um, you know, the manna comes down from heaven. And Jesus, ultimately, we see in the New Testament, is the bread of life. Um, So here God was providing for the Israelites bread. Um, And so there's just these pictures that we can connect to um, seeing, foreshadowing Jesus. I mean, in it, Moses is a, a Christ figure. We see him leading the Israelites. Um, so we have throughout the entire book little pictures, and that's what um, this book, it's 12 lessons, and each one is focused on on helping us to see Jesus, but then applying it to our lives so that we can see how we need Jesus too. We're just like the Israelites. Well, that is awesome. And I got to share with you how your book helped me um, this week. You you talk about when students see how sin taints their motives and desires and shows up in false gods and they they turn to looking for their identity uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to your appearance, performance, perfectionism and it's, it's interesting because I'm going to actually read. I hope I'm not going to give away your book. Instead, it'll make people like run to go get this book. <laughs> you, you have an area here in one of the chapters that talks about pop star Madonna. And uh-huh. you have a quote here. And I'm actually going to read it. So as you're listening out there, lean in because I, I did find this was very interesting. And then I'll share how it, it helped me <laughs> in my week says, all of my will, this is from Madonna, all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, and then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. And I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre and always pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that somebody, my struggle has never ended and it probably never will. (laughs) And one of the first questions you ask in your book is what is enslaving Madonna? And I I just have to share with you. It's interesting because I'm a corporate trainer and I just got back from Chicago and it was an intense class of an organization, a corporation, a, a top a 500 fortune 500 and it was their executives that I was coming along and consulting and coaching and mm-hmm. 
I just felt as though everything I said, I was stumbling through. And hmm. when questions were asked of me, I, I, I don't know what, if it was like this amygdala hijacking of my brain, <laughs> but I wasn't on. I just was not on. And when I got on the plane and was coming home, you know how you're just praying and you feel very vulnerable and exposed. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay, God, what was that all about? And how we can let ego get in our way. And that right. perfectionism get in our way and just that driven by results. And then I read that out of your book from Madonna and mm. I thought, man, I am really like getting caught up in that rather than going, okay, God, just let me show up and use me. Let me be a tool here, flow through me. And it was just humbling. I read that and thought, okay, this was good. <laughs> oh, I love how... God does that when just the message we need, he provides it for us. But it, I mean, it's so easy for all of us. I mean, we get caught up in our own performance. I think that's why there's so much just stress and anxiety because we like feel the weight of the world on us, but we're looking to find an identity in our own making instead of resting in who Jesus is for us. And it's so freeing when we start to get that he did it all. Like, I'm free. If you don't like me, I mean, I don't have to be consumed with my own performance and other people's opinions of me and how I look when I am finding my identity in Christ. But it's a constant battle where we're having to give ourselves gospel self-talk to re-remind ourselves, who is Jesus? Who is he for me? And who am I in him? Mm, absolutely. And, and if we knew, you know, as you said, as we're finding our identity in Christ, if we knew how that one negative thought can truly destroy our brain, I mean, we would never have a negative thought again if we just kept our eyes. And it's so easy to say it. Just keep your eyes focused on Christ. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know when you, <laughs> when you tell students that, they go, okay, keep my eyes focused on something I cannot see. I mean, it's, it's not tangible at times. So really getting into God's word is what's going to help it become more tangible. And yet that means discipline and it, it's hard to do. Yes. And I love what you say, because we have to be in God's word to see who Jesus is. I mean, again, if we approach the scripture, just looking, you know, for things that apply to us, then we miss Jesus. And then we don't know what we're supposed to fix our eyes on. Um, I just started, like a lot of people, you know, I'm going to read the Bible through this year, and um, it's been so interesting just in the, you know, short amount of time that I've been in Genesis. I have seen um, so many times, I haven't gone back to count, but like talking about his steadfast love, his steadfast love, his steadfast love, all throughout, um, and I'm like, wow. I mean, that's when we read our Bible looking for who he is, like, okay, he is steadfast in his love towards us. So then I have something, some meat to hang on to throughout the day instead of so that I'm meditating on him and who he is instead of, you know, who I am and what I need. And it, it just changes everything in the way, because you're right, whatever we say to ourselves, and there's nobody that talks to us more than we talk to ourselves, it's going to influence how we think and behave. And so what are we filling our minds with? Is it God's truth from his word about who God is, or are we you know, thinking so much about ourselves. And with that, we are going to jump into a commercial break. So what are we filling our minds with? Think about that, and we will be right back after these tunes.
This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Research has shown that our brains shrink with age, and this shrinkage is a possible cause for absent-mindedness and dementia. Exercise is one of the best things you can do for your brain. Regular exercise produces a number of changes in the brain, both in terms of function and structure. A study by the University of Pittsburgh found that people who walk a minimum of three hours per week maintain brain size. Being physically active has direct benefit to the brain as it makes physiological changes to neurons, resulting in improved cognitive performance. So by working out every day and keeping your body fit and in shape, you are doing countless of amazing things to your mind, body, and your brain. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome. We are listening to author Kristen Hatton as she shares with us her new book, The Gospel-Centered Life for Students. And um, you, you mentioned this Kristen, is the the book I have in my hand is the one Exodus, and that's the newest one that just came out. Yes, that is correct. And what you are also correct about is it's the first in the series. So there will be um, a whole series coming out of different books in the Bible under this gospel-centered life um, for students, written by all different authors, which is awesome because it just means that we'll get the books out quicker. I mean, if I was doing them all, it would <laughs> take, you know, years and years. But um, different authors are working on different books of the Bible where they have expertise. So I know, um, I believe it's the book of Mark coming out in the summer. So there'll be more curriculum, gospel-centered curriculum for teenagers, which I'm just thrilled about. Yes. And once again, thank you for, for doing this, writing this and feeling that, that calling. I know I have a teenager, and there's an area – that you're talking about with if if sin is more than an outward behavior and includes our thoughts and desires, we are faced with the realization our dismissal of someone or lack of love toward a classmate is in effect killing them. <laughs> and I love how you worded that because I, I'll walk by, you know, my daughter and their friends and just the way that they're talking about classmates or somebody else and the words that they're using, um, I it's so easy to be shocked by it. And I don't, I don't know if, if you sense that in Oklahoma, but yes, 
there's that part you just want to stop and go, are you serious? Are you guys really having this conversation? And sometimes it can be on the way home from church. Right, right. What part of this did we not hear? And then I have to look at myself. It's so easy to to see their faults and their mistakes and go, wait, you just had that same emotion. You just didn't say it out loud. (laughs) Um, Yes, so so true. So talk about that, how how we're we're going to fail here. We're not going to measure up to the law. So for them to truly understand, we have to have... Christ. We have to have his, his grace. Right. And I think that the problem so often is that we do treat sin as just the outward behavior. And so as parents in the church, even we work really hard on getting good kids. And so we talk to them about, you don't drink and you don't have sex. And, and then we think that, okay, they're good because they're upholding these, you know, certain standards that we've made kind of the ultimate um, but what happens, well, a couple things. One, when they fall into sin in those areas, they're going to hide it because um, of shame, and they haven't heard about grace. All they've heard is, don't do this. And so they learn to play the game. They learn to wear masks and hide um, when their exterior behavior does not match up to what they're being told by their parents or youth group. But then the other side of the coin that you're talking about is like the internal sin. We have not talk to them about that sin, sin is the turning away from God. And so really at its core, it's idolatry. It's making anything else a false, a false God. And so it's, you know, it could be, I mean, I think a lot of times we think of idols as maybe like materialism, but really it's when, like what we were talking about earlier, when we're looking to our own performance for our identity, or we're looking for significance. And so we, you know, base our worth on how many likes we get on social media or on our appearance. And so, or just the motives, like why we do something. I mean, a lot of times I use social media to talk to my kids at the dinner table about why do you think that person posted that? Because what's going on underneath, like the root that no one knows about except for the individual and God but it can help exp- just talking to my kids about some, you know, what I'm noticing um, can help them detect maybe what's going on in their own hearts. So if someone, I notice this a lot, uh, girls will comment like, oh, you're hot. Well, I mean, that, why'd they post that picture? Well, they were looking for those comments. And so just kind of helping our kids understand the, the um, desires and the motives underneath our behavior and what we're doing and what we're thinking helps them see how simple they are. Because I think a lot of kids and adults, we can think, oh, we're pretty good because we're following, you know, I haven't had, haven't committed adultery. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't stole anything. Um, But we don't see that. What about what's going on in our hearts? And, And then when we start to see that, we see, oh my gosh, how desperate of a sinner we are and how needy we are of a savior. And so it, it changes how we think about Jesus, and it drives us to actually worship him more because we see how much we need him. Mm. It, going back to you are hot, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. I work with um, a, a group of college girls, and the they will actually make comments that they have posted something and they didn't get very many likes, they will remove Mm -hmm. that 
off of their social media. And yeah. I, I, I just, I don't even know how to respond <laughs> to that. No, it's so true. I mean, it's like if you don't have X amount in a certain amount of time. And, and so that's right there. That shows you what's driving why you're posting it. Like if, I mean, if it was, if you were just posting just because you like this picture, you know, more of an innocent, you know, pure, I guess, motive, then it wouldn't matter if if no one else likes the picture because you like it. But it, it, that's real telling right there. Like, why? Why are we posting this picture? Because we're looking for affirmation and those likes coming in affirm us. If we don't get them, then we feel like, you know, it was all, all of a sudden we start having all these self-doubts that it it is telling us what who our identity is instead of resting secure in Christ is. Like, who cares if nobody else likes my picture? And and to be able to, I mean, we we know the answer obviously is is finding your identity in Christ, and yet to truly be able to get them to understand that, to move forward. Uh, what what are some other things? And I, I I know this is just it's a great devotion. I know you even talk about your teenage son uses it for his quiet time, correct? Yes. Yes. And, and how did you, how did you go about where you realized that that's what he was doing? Uh, well, we really wanted our kids to use it, um, because we want to help them be in the word, but then we try to like maybe one night a week at the dinner table to talk about it. Now we're not perfect at doing this by any means, but, um, I mean, the idea was if they're on in the word on their own and, kind of doing the same thing and then they can talk about what they got out of it and we can have further conversations because I think so often parents kind of out I mean we're so used to outsourcing everything I mean it's like oh you need a tutor for math go to the tutor you need you know specialty stuff for your sports go to this you know whatever and so we outsource even their spiritual life to the church but we, we really don't take ownership of like no the par- as the parents we are primary shepherds of our children's hearts. And so, so often we miss so many opportunities to really know what's going on in their hearts and to help train them. I mean, the church comes alongside us, but we need to be having these conversations. So it was, it's, it's just important for us that we are helping our kids have spiritual conversations. So as much as we can at the dinner table and I know with teenagers, it's hard to even all get to the dinner table at the same time. But when we can, we try to, you know, have conversations where we're getting below the surface and talking about more than just how was your day. And and what happens when you are at the dinner table and you just notice that there's, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but that one child really isn't engaging in the conversation. So mostly yeah. they're not reading. <laughs> they're not uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you do you just move forward and you know just let them have a conversation if they want, or do you challenge them? What do you do in those situations? Yeah, that's a really good question because I mean that's reality, isn't it? <laughs> not always going to do it, mm-hmm. um, and normally it's pretty obvious when they're not. Um, so I mean we we don't want to say them. We want to encourage them. We'll continue on in the conversation. I mean we have well we have a daughter in college, but we've got two high school boys. So um, since it's not just one, we can normally keep going with the conversation. And my husband's a pastor, and so he likes to talk. So even if the boys don't engage, 
he just uses it as an opportunity to just um, speak into their hearts. And, um, and I think that that's the thing um, that we just continue on to speak truth, even if um, we think they're not interested or we think they're checked out and not even paying attention, um, because you just never know what is sinking in and what maybe, you know, will prick their hearts and maybe come back to. Um, and we just keep, I mean, I know my boys don't do it perfectly for sure. Neither do I, um, as far as, you know, my quiet time, but, um, we just keep making it available. We keep putting it on the forefront and making it important mm-hmm. in our house. Yeah. And there, you know, the reason why I ask that is because I know sometimes there's parents that are listening and they're like, seriously, I, <laughs> I would be ecstatic if my kids went in to have quiet time or if they even had a desire to get into a devotion. And how do we encourage that? You know, how do we get them to even want to? So do you have any any tips on that? Um, yeah, and that's hard. It's so hard. I mean, I know um, I mean, we can do everything right as parents and our kids still rebel and don't show an interest. And we can mess up, and our kids, by the grace of God, still are interested. So I preface it with that, that, I mean, just we have to give ourselves grace and also allow God to work in His timing, um, because some of our kids, they're not going to be interested. Um, And like I said, I just think that we still just encourage without nagging, which is a fine line right there, isn't it? Um, but I mean, even if my kids are not reading on their own, we try to have these conversations at the table, um, just so they're hearing truth, um, and us, or, or just from listening to my husband and I, maybe we talk about what I, you know, read today, or we often do this on Sunday lunch, um, talk about what we heard in the sermon. So just as much as possible, um, even if they're not engaging they're still sitting there, and pr- I'm just praying that something that we say, that they're hearing the truth, that we're making it available to them, even if they're not reading it on their own or they seem disinterested. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, we are talking to Kristen Hatton, and she's the author of The Gospel-Centered Life for Students. We're going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to dive in a little bit more on how we get our kids to know This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. While some have completely omitted beef from their daily diets, there are still some that cannot resist a steak dinner occasionally. I am definitely one of those people. When it comes to steak, it's all about the cut. Some of the finest cuts are marbled with fat, and that's not a good choice. Bodybuilding.com recommends the round cut as the best choice by far. A three ounce round cut has only 184 calories, eight grams of fat, and 26 grams of protein. Worst among the popular varieties of beef is ribeye, which packs an astounding 33 grams of saturated fat per ounce. When indulging in a steak dinner, make your side dishes low calorie, like choosing a salad with vinaigrette dressing instead of a creamy cheesy dressing. Top your baked potato off with salsa instead of butter and sour cream. You can make a typically high-fat, high-calorie dinner into a healthy, low-fat meal. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We've been chatting with Kristen Hatton, and she's the author of The Gospel-Centered Life, Exodus for Students. She is also the author of the teen devotion book, Get Your Story Straight, and FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World. In addition to her own blog, she's a frequent contributor to the Rooted Ministry blog and Encourage Women's blog. So, Kristen, I I want to ask you a little bit more about what your part is on the Rooted Ministry. Uh, This is something that our church in Arizona is diving into as a church. And I've just heard some amazing things about the, the Rooted program. I love hearing that. Um, I got involved with Rooted because the founder, Cameron Cole, um, endorsed my first book. And so that's how we learned about each other. And then soon after that, he invited me to speak at a Rooted conference. And um, now I'm on the steering committee of Rooted and um, write usually a blog a month um, for parents. So on their site, they, um, they really have a heart to encourage and equip youth ministers, and parents. And so every day of the week, they have a blog. Um, Two times a week, there's one specifically for parents. And then the other five days, there's always one for youth leaders. Um, So they really just want to come alongside. Um, It's hard, as we know, to be a parent. And for youth ministers, I mean, they're dealing with so much. So um, just as a resource, a training resource and um, place where um, ministers can even find find out about other resources to use and what's worked for other ministers and churches. And anyway, I, I love it. I really um, am so thankful for it uh, because I don't think that there's anything else out there like it. Really? What? I know we're, we're like going from your book now to, to Rooted, but I really want to let people know that you are a contributor to, to that um, blog there, especially for our listeners. We, we have a church of, well, at Christmas, it was over 20,000. And the fact that we're jumping in to this particular, um, you know, ministry uh, is really, really cool. I think it's going to be neat that 
I just, I heard there's a lot of homework and you're really diving in. So I'm excited as a church that we're all going to be a part of this, doing the homework together. And so then to just be able to get into where you're blogging, um, that that's awesome. Um, what would you say, because in an example, I have one of my college girls in my life group that said there was just a lot of homework. And so now some of my college girls don't want to go through the, the program because it is college and then you have another, you know, additional homework. When I remember at that age, I thought I can't even read a magazine. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to do my quiet time. That was just my thought, which is oh, right think that way well and I even know just from leading a women's bible study that uh, you know how it just tapers off through the semester because it's hard to keep up it really is um so I do think that I mean we do what's important to us we make time for what we want to make time for um and I know that we're busy so I'm not saying that you know just hard and fast because it's hard to even find time to do the things that we want to do but um, I mean I really feel like when we commit when something's a priority um, we know how much we need it or how um, it it just changes I mean I I want to it's a priority for me to exercise it's a priority for me to spend time with my husband you know so it's like when we really take um, evaluate like what what matters to us what is most important to us Um, I think it I mean, it can be convicting, but it um, helps us maybe sort through, like, what we need to say no to to make room for a yes to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. What are we going to say no to so we can make yes for something else? Because I, I do think that, that it's significant. And is it possible to go through the program, as I share with my college girls, and not do the homework. I mean, obviously you're just not going to get everything you can gain out of it, but, uh, do you just get completely lost if you're not doing the homework? Well, I will. I'm wondering if it's a different rooted because I've had someone else ask me these questions too. And I think there must be two different rooted ministries because the rooted I'm a part of it. There's not, it's not a homework thing. Um, but I've heard of someone else that has interviewed me had, talked about their church jumping into something that sounds like what you're talking about. So I think now it makes me want to go Google and see (laughs) what this other Rooted is. I have never heard of Rooted. And so when I I saw that you were a contributor there with your ministry blog, I thought, oh, this is awesome because this is what we're, okay, well, maybe, maybe there is, but you still gave some great tips on if it's important to you, you will make time for it. So I'm going to tell them that. And I also though want them to to go check out your um, ministry blog as well. Yeah. I think that, that's awesome. real. I, I, I'm an avid reader, but I also like just snippets to be able to read a blog. That's just kind of fun. You know, when you have time, you're sitting there waiting in line mm-hmm. somewhere, waiting in the doctor's office to be able to hit a blog really quick is nice. Oh yeah. I mean, my inbox is so full because I save these blogs that I want to go back and yes. read exactly that when I'm like sitting there waiting, you know, to pick up a kid or at the doctor's office or whatever. So yes, I love that. I, I got to tell you on a side note, I just told Ben, our producer, I, I was, I was in my, my crying mode for the last two weeks. I got a new iPhone and when I switched over, it erased all of my emails 
and everything that I have filed, which is all those blogs, you know, as you get them, you just kind of file them <laughs> to the right. side. Oh no. Just like, okay, this might be a blessing because there's so many things in there that I had thousands and thousands of, you know, magazine articles and blogs and stuff. So maybe it's a good thing to simplify, but now I have to go back. Oh, and yeah. I feel your pain I, on both sides. I mean, the good and the bad, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to get clean this out. But yeah, I mean, when you build, take time to build up resources like that. Oh, I know it's, it is, it's horrible. Well, okay. I just want, first of all, to say once again, thank you so much. I appreciate that you followed that calling that God gave you. And what, what, are some tips here. I know we started out the show talking about some of the tips that Andy Stanley um, on if you have a child or a young adult who finally comes and says, I'm done with God. I, I do not want this God thing. I do not want to follow this faith. Um, we, we talked a little bit about just listening, staying curious, leaning in, uh, not starting to battle it, maybe just agree with them as they're going along and just walking through that, that journey with them and continuing uh, to love them. I know I have some friends who right now are struggling with that, with their own kids that are, are choosing to walk away um, from the church. And it's really hard for them to hear other Christians make comments about their kids. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as a body of Christ, just, it's okay to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you yes. see some of that, you know, it's okay to come alongside a kid lovingly and with the right intention. I love that when people do that with my children, I feel like I have poured into so many other kids. So when I see how God gives me that blessing where, you know, someone comes along and, and breathes into my child, but be aware there's one thing of all of a sudden quoting scripture to them there's another way of doing it when you're asking them questions. So do you have anything to, to say or to breathe into that? Right. And I love what you said, because I think so many Christians, we don't mean to, but we are, are pushing them further away. And I think that we just need to be available to love them without an agenda. And that can be really hard, especially as a parent, because we want to control. We want to, you know, we want them to see the truth. And so if they're wrestling or they're walking away, it is so hard to trust God with our kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so as a, it's just a church member, a friend, you know, seeing someone else whose children are, you know, maybe rebelling or walking away or, or struggling or doubting. First of all, it's, it's okay to have doubts and to wrestle and to ask questions of God. I think so many of us, maybe grew up in churches where it wasn't okay to articulate those or to, or to, you know, to struggle. But I mean, the book of Psalms shows us every emotion that we go through, like we, God wants us to relate to him as a personal God. And so we can come with him with all of our emotions. So whether that's the parent crying out like, Lord, why is my son you know, doing this? I mean, we can be honest. We don't have to sugarcoat it and put a smile on it and, spiritualize it. I mean, it's rough. Um, but, and so I think we have to give our kids room to struggle. Um, but I also think so many kids are walking away, not from true Christianity. Like we talked about in the beginning, I think so often Christianity is morality and we have 
in the church, unfortunately, made it about um, following rules and being good. And so that's what they're really running away from, a lot of them. And, and they don't really understand because we haven't given them Jesus, really who he is, and our deep need for him. We've made it all about, you know, doing good. And they don't want anything to do with that. Um, and I think that so often our we Christians look just like the world. And so they think, I don't need the church to entertain me. I'm not really getting any message because they're not getting the message about Jesus. They're just getting kind of more, you know, three steps for this, that, and the other um, that they can get from any secular spot, too. So that's where I just feel like as, as believers, we need to be in the church so careful about what we are teaching. And that, again, is why I was so passionate about getting gospel-centered um, books out for teenagers, books that focus on Jesus and not ourselves. Mm. I thank you so much. I, I, that, that is so many things there that you, that you said, and I love Christianity, um, how so many times it's like we, we get all of that mixed up with morality. And we just have to give our kids Jesus. We have 30 seconds left before the end of the show, Kristen. I want to thank you. And is there just one great tip that you can just share to our listeners out there? Oh, goodness. <laughs> on the Please spot. on the spot. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. I will say this. Um, what I have learned is that growing in the Christian walk is not what we think. We think it's getting stronger and stronger and sinning less and less. But growing as a Christian is really becoming more and more dependent. And so when we see our sin, that is not a bad thing. Yes, it's bad we sin, but the good thing about seeing our sin is that we see more and more how much we need Jesus. And so then we lean in more on Him in dependence. And that's where we then want to worship Him. Awesome. And on that note, lean in more to Jesus. Thank you so much for sending me Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 